Today's episode is sponsored by our friends at Miller's Law, a veteran-founded and run law firm. Miller's Law is giving back to the community that gives so much by making an incredible special offer to our listeners. For the next 30 days, Miller's Law is offering veterans and first responders a family will and power of attorney for only $299. Typically, a will in POA can cost over $2,000. That's a $1,700 savings. This offer is a meaningful way to say thank you for your service for all veterans and first responders. To take advantage of this amazing gift, don't wait. Go to millerslaw.com, M-I-L-L-A-R-S law.com, or email them at info at millerslaw.com. If you prefer to phone, you can call toll-free 1-888-855-5547. That's 1-888-855-5547. Don't delay. Do it today. Tango Romeo, we are on a mission to save lives and relieve pain by making help for PTS injuries easily accessible with a vision of a world where the path to recovery is clear. I am your OPSO, Mark Meinke, and this is Operation Tango Romeo, the Trauma Recovery Podcast. And we are live streaming on Facebook on a couple of different pages, the Tango Romeo page, my personal page, and also on LinkedIn Live. In studio, we have John Sr. Welcome back, brother. Howdy. Good to have you. Um, an unfortunate show that we have to do today, a critical show that we have to do. It's been coming up on various peer support groups. There's ours. There's, um, uh, I was on with uh, Kelsey Sharon, the Brass and Unity lady. And um, people are absolutely twisted over the withdrawal in Afghanistan. Now, I've been quite clear. I was never in Afghanistan, but you were. And yeah, I was, uh, yeah. you did a double tour there. Yeah, I did a, a 10-month tour because I was there within the, I was in the Air Force. And just the turnaround time for the training and stuff like that, just, there was no way for us to do a six-month rotation. And the other mitigating factor with that was the, just the manning of the Air Force versus the Army. So we didn't have the same pool of people to draw on. So we all had to do a 10-month tour in theater. Yeah, for our American audience, um, yes, Canada has a military. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, they, they are small, but they are mighty. The level of training that we have, um, we get overtasked uh, in the Bosnia-Croatia days. Uh, the uh, People were doing double tours all the time or six mm -hmm. months off, then back in country, six months in, six months out. Um, heavily, heavily tasked. Yeah. You know, uh, we get deployed a lot. The, uh, the same thing happened in Afghanistan, by the way, they did in Bosnia. <clears throat> Sorry. Um, which was the, uh, we only had people doing back-to-back -to -back tours or, you know, one in, one out. What I'm saying by that is six months in, six months out kind of thing, the back in again. Um, and the, the taskings that we received uh, when I was in helicopter force uh, with the air wing was, uh, was incredible. We would get short nose taskings all the time. And <clears throat> our choppers were, were always flying like 
always, always, always flying. Um, helicopters were used extensively in Afghanistan, but uh, we were called on short notice for planning for doing insertions and withdrawals and that kind of stuff on a regular, regular basis. Our pilots had to get extensions upon extensions upon extensions in order to, because they kept exceeding their maximum flying hours. And us as technicians in that environment, it was uh, it was really, it was super interesting because, I mean, we would, uh, I was a vibration analyst on the Griffin helicopter and the uh, the numbers that were coming back on what these guys are doing to these choppers in that hot and high environment was just incredible. The, the stuff coming back from the, from the, the Chinooks was incredible, you know, the, uh, the detainees, because they weren't PWs, they were detainees because of the type of warfare it was, uh, was uh, just incredible as well. It, we, were, we were so punching above our weight, and, you know, the Americans respect that. There are a lot of other countries that respect that as well. Uh, so we were a small force, but we really did punch way above our weight, and we were into everything. The Americans were on the front lines. We were there side by side. Small but mighty. Really, really mighty, yeah. Yeah. The most profound thing for me in tour was um, I went on PW duty, or not PW, on detainee duty for a while. They needed someone to volunteer. So I volunteered to do that for a while. And um, you, I got really up and close with the tallies. Really up and close uh, doing that stuff. And it was, uh, you know, it, it left a, a mark in my soul. It was uh, such a profound dark moment of seeing that the look in their face and the way that they they treat their subordinates within uh, the detainee camp the the hierarchical system without even being without words being spoken and that kind of stuff so i mean i was only subjected to that for for 14 days um and the when they when uh, when a taliban leader looks through you they're looking through you and it was uh it was a moving moment, Mark. It, it was, I mean, I've been in scraps before, you know, and, and you give that, that stare to people, right? This was a different level of stare. Straight up evil. It was, it was evil. It was evil. It was, it was bad. It was so bad, you know? And it's like, and the thing is, you know, these guys truly believe right to their fucking core that they're doing the right thing and they have to do it. And you can't convince them of that. There is no way. It's the same mentality when I was in Bosnia. The the, the, the things that we feared the most were the kids because you cannot reason with a child who's been told by his parents and grandparents, those guys in the blue berets and the blue caps, they're bad. And nothing you can do will change a child's mind. The same as these Taliban people. Nothing we do or say or try to reason will change their fucking minds. They are on a mission to do right by their God. That's it. And um, I don't even remember his number because we didn't go by their names. You know, they had, they had detainee numbers and stuff. And, and, you know, we had to, we had to mark everything they did on their, in their books on the catwalks and serving them dinners was, that was the most intense moment so intense because you are that close with those guys and it was it was crazy we had to I had a double glove with a really long surgical gloves double mask uh with the with the you know those those stupid washing those apc goggles we had to wear yeah 
with those things on and stuff like that in case they spat at you and stuff. It's just like, I mean, they're not just dirty in their soul for us, but just like this guy had hep A, B, C, and if there was a hep D, he would have had that too. Yeah. You know? He had hep alphabet. He had the whole fucking gamut of everything that we could. And you could see it in his face. You could see it in their eyes and stuff. And, and he knew he was on a, not a long-term life plan. He was on a short-term life plan, right? <laughs> and, yeah. then, and the guy could have been 29 years old. I have no idea. But the wrinkles in the face and just the look in their eyes, it's like, you know, they've seen some serious, serious shit that, that, that we cannot imagine as a first-world nation. And that brings me into into the Afghanistan thing, you know? This is a, this is a country that's been steamrolled how many times? How many times has Afghanistan been steamrolled? And and for us to roll in there and have any hopes of us setting it straight once and for all, <clears throat> in my in my particular mind, I think that's kind of naive, right? In in my mind, well, it's arrogant. It's the idea that uh, our way is better, and I do believe our way is better. Uh, yeah. But you you're not going to change generations and generations mm-hmm. uh, of people. But the the whole idea was that we're supposed to bring democracy and stability and, and, and freedom. I mean, that wasn't the original reason that we went there, but that's what it turned into. And uh, it wasn't, there was no clear mission, you know, uh, it was a bunch of different missions, but that, um, that idea that we can bring democracy, some people were in on that, right. And they Mm -hmm. were trying to help us, you know, I mean, at the higher levels, Mark, yeah, but but at the frontline levels, I mean, with the boots on the ground level, uh, my mission was clear. And, and for the guys, I'm just going to preface this, but first of all, I, I didn't go to Afghanistan for the glory. I didn't go there. I went there because I was originally combat arms, and I, and I saw my brothers that I went through basic training with, and I spent years with these guys i deployed with them in in bosnia twice and i deployed you know all over the place with these guys in in the training and stuff we did and the intensity of the training and the intensity of the brotherhood of combat arms and here i was 13 years later in the air force and i'm like i need to fucking do something so i went there for the mission solely for the mission of doing the best job i can to keep those choppers in the air to get my boys off the fucking ground. I didn't do it for for the world. I didn't do it for the fucking metal. I didn't do it for anything else. I did it because I needed to have a hand in keeping my and helping keep my brothers from getting injured and hurt or killed. What percentage of the population would you say doesn't want the Taliban there and how big is the Taliban? Or is that? Uh, or, I think. Or, I think. Are you? Do you know? I, I wouldn't even hazard a guess, but I would, here's what I'm going to say. I'm going to say that the world is so fucked up right now that most people, or most countries, are completely fucking apathetic, if not deaf, to this, and uh, that's the problem, Mark. I mean, in Afghanistan, though. Like, in uh, Afghanistan, like what percentage of the locals were like, "Hey, right on! You're keeping the Taliban boot off our neck. We appreciate that." I, I don't know, but I, I mean, I'm looking at the news reports and stuff that I'm seeing the amount of people running and stuff. And, 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 and I think that there's, and I'm going to say more than normal because we have made a difference uh, going in there as coalition forces. Um, they, because the only other time that they've had this level of, of 
freedom, democracy, and self-governance and that kind of stuff was back in the 70s before before they were steamrolled again back in the 1978, I think it was. And, um, you know, they, they had a higher education. The women, they didn't have to wear their burqas and covers and stuff. You can see pictures of Afghanistan with them wearing short skirts and stuff in the 70s and everything else. And I think that that uh, the people that, that got to live that grew up and did not know the uh, suppression that they're going to be facing again here soon. I really think that we made a difference because it's is now you have social media and we're getting those voices out. I'm, I'm hearing, I mean, I'm losing so much sleep. I am, I've got diarrhea. I'm not eating properly. I mean, I'm just, my head is spinning over all this stuff here because there's so many emotions coming along with it at the same time as it's a 20th anniversary coming up you know uh i I, i'm i'm numb right now i'm just so fucking numb you know i'm i'm not i'm sad at the loss of the freedom i'm sad at the loss of the democracy and the rights I'm, i'm sad at the rollback that that afghanistan is going through at the same time i'm conflicted by the pride that we managed to provide them at that reprieve and 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 be on the the leading edge of the world stage for, for helping provide humanity to that country, albeit for 18 years, 20 years, whatever time frame it was. On one hand, there's the anniversary and that scene of people at the airport climbing on that plane and the ones that hung on so desperate to get out of there and to get away from the Taliban that they hung on and watching the people fall from that plane to their death. That's how bad that people want freedom and they don't want a boot on their neck. And... Um, in Canada... We are so geocentric. It is such a first world thing and we have first world problems. And people don't know what a real problem is in this country. Mm -hmm. They have no idea. So when we see, and we're not going to get into our Canadian politics too much here, but um, some people like yourself and, and myself are a little bit sensitive to the idea of uh, dictatorship and um, that kind of thing happening in Canada. Most people think it can't. You and I disagree mm-hmm. because we've seen dictatorships and what that's like. And anybody that's lived in a, in a dictatorship, they know the signs, they know what it looks like, what it smells like, and we're feeling that is a is a clear and present danger in our own country here. Yeah. And um that's disturbing. When you haven't lived it, it is so difficult to uh to to relate to it because it's like Whoville. Nothing bad has ever happened in Whoville, nothing bad ever will happen in Whoville. It's this head in the sand mentality like it can never happen here. Yet the the American Bill of Rights and Char- and and freedoms is a firewall against tyranny. Mm -hmm. So any attack on any 
dismiss like saying oh uh, that constitution it's it's out of date it's an old you know it's it doesn't mean anything it's not important um times change so so should the constitution well people's lust for power never changes that's that's eternal it's always been and always will be mm-hmm. it's always going to be a threat dictators will always rise if they're um if they have a chance but in the states and in canada uh, it's been so long since anybody's lived with uh, war on their own soil, mm-hmm. minus the nine eleven attacks, um, that people still think it can't happen here. And you know, uh, it's a, it's a, <laughs> sorry, Mark. <laughs> There's a lot of words going through my head right now, buddy. <laughs> it's all the things I want well, to say, the, but, I can't. It, I, but I struggle, right? Because this is the trauma <laughs> reto- recovery podcast. This isn't the. Um, uh, a, a political show, but at the same time, yeah, these ideas affect our mental health significantly, and and that's what I wanted to discuss here because when I was just having that <laughs> Cheshire Cat uh, giggle here a second ago, is the fact that it's a uh, you know right now in Canada here we are in a world of denial of the general population that this cannot happen here that this won't happen that we're above this and we have safeguards in place. I distinctly remember in, I think it was 2003 or 2004, a conversation with somebody I massively respected and saying, you know, what if, blah, 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 blah. And he was like, you know, John, that's, that'll never, never happen because of, and he went through the list of stuff. And I was like, no, I, I really do believe that it's a possibility. And and you know what? And here we are in 2021 uh, and in with it, with a leader right now that that thinks he can really just pull the wool over our eyes, and and I go back to the tours I've done, right? I mean, like I don't know. I mean, for the most part, I did Bosnia ninety four, Bosnia ninety seven, Bosnia two thousand one. I did, and then I did the Quebec ice storm. And let me tell you what happens in our own turf here in Canada, you know, which was eye opening for me. And then go overseas again somewhere else and see the same sort of stuff happening there, and then watching the news. And you know what? I'm telling. I'm here right now, and I'm telling you live on broadcast. It fucking happens here. It can fucking happen here. And and the the thing that makes so many of us veterans so upset is the fact that, as you pointed out quite clearly a second ago, it does happen. It can happen. Well, our system is so the flags. is so 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 fragile. Yeah. Um, right now, uh, people in Okotoks are all upset because of the boil water order. Um, yeah. A few days ago, all of a sudden, there's no water pressure. So what did I do? You, you saw the big jug, 23-liter jug. It's like low uh, low water pressure. Uh-oh. So I used uh, water from the, the water filter, and I filled up a 23-liter jug because I know what was going to happen next. And, exactly. And, and sure as hell, it did. And yeah. there, there's um, a boil water order. And uh, <laughs> for a lot of people... John, that's the scariest thing that's ever happened to them in their in their life. Yeah. Is there, there was a boil water order, and this is the same with with uh, with COVID. You know, um, you've been shot at. I've been shot at. Uh, I've been in a carrier. You've been in a carrier while mm-hmm. bullets are bouncing off of it. Tink, mm-hmm. tink, tink. Going, holy shit! What if they ever figure <laughs> out that a fifty cal would whistle right through here? Yeah, you know, exactly. is, is it going to stay small arms, or is uh, what are these assholes it, got, it always, got a fifty? You know, it was always fun in games as long as it stayed at that pitch. <laughs> yeah, okay. tink, tink, tink is good. Tonk, yeah. 
is bad. bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's normally the, the the lower the 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 sound, you know, the impact, the bigger the impact. It's the the harder you're pressing on that gas pedal. And, <laughs> and that's the type of thing that um, talking about first world problems, right? Mm-hmm. Um, where COVID is scaring the shit out of people at a level that I, that I don't get it. Yeah. You know, it's, um, uh, I, I'm sorry, I'm just not going to join you in that level of fear. Be prudent, take precautions, you know, be smart. Mm-hmm. That That's all good. But uh, I'm just not scared of it. And, yeah. um, and the same as the boil water order, and, you know, improvise, adapt, overcome. That's, mm-hmm. that's what we do. And uh, when an adverse event comes up, like, oh, our our water system is screwed. We've we've got to boil water. Okay, and mm-hmm. the uh, you know the mob mentality uh, carries a lot with it. And uh, you know when you don't go along with the mob and they're looking back at you and you're and you're nice and calm and cool and collected. You know their question is like, what do you know that we don't? Why are you so calm? Like, what's the matter with you, right? And then so you know when you when you voice your opinion to someone. Um, they're allowed to take it or not, um, but they'll often just call you a conspiracy theorist. And, you know, and I just for the record, I despise conspiracy theorists for for just because they they promote unnecessary hysteria. However, I am not above calling out an asshole if they're an asshole. Well, you know, the first uh, use that I know of mm-hmm. of the term conspiracy theorist was used by uh, a short little corporal with a funny mustache. Named uh, Adolf Hitler, <laughs> and uh, in reference to the death camps, yeah, you know, it's like death camps. Oh, that's just that's the conspiracy theory, you know, and um, it's it's just a term used to trivialize people so that they don't ask questions, or that the questions that they do ask are laughed at or, or dismissed. Yeah, and the more on point you are with your questions, the the uh, the closer you are to the truth, the louder the screaming. Yeah, yeah, and that's what we see we see so often right now. And it's it's a shame that you know, like, I mean, like, going back twenty years ago or back to the eighties was a much simpler time because there was a lot more integrity involved with the politics, with uh, with just your basic job, with every single person. There was more accountability, more moral, or at least that was our impression. Maybe, yeah. Yeah, maybe because you know, that was that was our perception. I mean, yeah. the uh, the last six years, what I've come to realize is that I don't know shit. Mm. You know, because uh, you don't get information from the news. That's all bullshit, and uh, or at least twenty percent bullshit. But you don't know which which twenty percent. Mm-hmm. You know, you never know when you're being lied to, and um, and very, very, very few people do the digging. Mm-hmm. Very, very, very few people read the headlines, and and that's their worldview, all from the headlines. That's most folks. But um, it, what we're talking about right now is one of the factors that's really been adding to the extra bricks in the rucksack, the extra rocks in the rucksack, mm-hmm. right? Like as uh, oh, you have to turn your phone off there. Uh, sorry, yeah, that's, I just muted that. Sorry, yeah, it's all right, but. Um, uh, People that are suffering from trauma injuries, they're, uh, they're always carrying a pretty heavy backpack, right? On a good day, it's, it's just the webbing. It's 20, 30 pounds. It's no big deal, yeah. right? On a bad day, it's 150 pounds. 
and uh, sometimes more. But our operating temperature is right around 40 pounds. You know, we're walking around with a 40-pound backpack at any given time. Uh, that's just our, our, our operating speed, right? But um, when you add in world events that, uh, that have you a little bit concerned, you know, like uh, the idea that Canada and the U.S. are, um, it looks like the system is doing everything it can to descend into totalitarianism. Um, and even if we're dead wrong, it still looks that way. And, and, and that's how the radar is setting off. So that puts extra weight into, into the rucksack. Um, COVID for the whole planet is uh, extra bricks in the rucksack, right? Yeah, exactly. And if you don't really have a lot of stress in your life anyway, and, it, and COVID is really the only thing that's, uh, um, that's weighing you down, well, that's not so bad. You know, that's, if that's really the only big issue that you're dealing with. Um, but when you're carrying around uh, combat injuries, uh, when you're suffering from PTSD, like there's just no more room in the goddamn backpack. Mm-hmm. You know, there's, there, there's no more room. And it's uh, within the veteran community, what we're seeing, and the whole point of this broadcast is right now a lot of people are overwhelmed. There's 200 pounds on them. That normal operating uh, uh, speed of (laughs) of having the 40 pounds, we're we're well past that. And, And people are redlined. And with the... Afghanistan withdrawal, what people are are feeling is betrayal, betrayal by the government, um, guilt, horrible shame that, and it's misplaced because it's not up to me and you. Mm -hmm. It's up to the government and we're not running the show, right? So then the anger comes in because the people that were helping you on your mission, the, the Afghan people, that were on side, that they were allied, they were giving you intel, helping with support, um, were friends and allies. Yeah. And they were all rowing in the same direction. And we told them that uh, their reward was that we got you. Yeah. We got you. We got your back. And when this is all over, you know, you'll have a, a, a free ticket to Canada or the, or the States or wherever you want to go. And we'll welcome you to our family here. You know, thank you. And that didn't happen. No, uh, you know what, Mark? Um, I don't know if you realize this, but I mean, you, you hit on on the nerve. You hit directly on the nerve, and you you nailed it. You nailed it with sledgehammer. It's uh, a lot of us have the, that feeling of betrayal already as a as an injured vet. And so we're dealing with the abandonment of the big machine because we made the commitment. We signed the dotted line. This ultimate liability that I signed of my life for my nation, blah, blah, blah. And then you got these people in a war zone that commit to helping us, knowing the stakes already. Which is their life. Which is their life. And not just their life, their family, their, their children's lives. lives. So they signed that same type of dotted line that our guys signed to be overseas in Afghanistan. And these interpreters, 
these these are other people that that we that worked with us you know to to help rebuild their government and uh, kind of stuff and provide all those things that that we take for granted and then we just fucking abandon them so what do we do as troops? We naturally internalize this. We naturally seek responsibility somehow. So you hit on the nerve. It's not just that they're being abandoned. For us, it's, it's the same level of betrayal, the same level of abandonment that we are witnessing for people that played a very pivotal role in trying to rebuild their country. And how dare our government bestow that upon someone else other than a soldier how fucking dare they that is the raw uncut nerve right there that you just stepped on when you said what you said it is the a betrayal that is on such a level yeah that really there are no words there, there, there is no comparison. This is worse than your spouse cheating on you. This is worse than these people, their entire lives, um, their children, their, the very air they breathe was all trusting yeah. that 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 the reward for them helping the allied forces was that they'd be okay mm-hmm. that they'd be looked after kept alive and that they'd have some place to go that they would be protected so when our forces left the country the what had to happen before that is okay well we're going to pull out um before we do we'll keep security here and this security is going to be here to protect the evacuation. And that didn't happen. No, it, it didn't. As a matter of fact, are you ready for this? Here's what actually fucking happened. The last few airplanes that did manage to leave Afghanistan at Kabul, they, uh, the most highly trained Afghani troops, they created a pocket around the, around the airport. And they hunkered down. They 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 went into hardcore fucking defensive positions. The government had negotiations and told them to fucking lay down their fucking guns, and they fucking left. Engines running on some of the fucking vehicles, guns left there, just handed over directly to the Taliban at fucking HR at fucking D-Day there, whatever you want to fucking call it, whatever phraseology you want to fucking use at the very last minute. So all those super highly trained troops that that, that the coalition forces dumped hundreds of thousands of dollars, of dollars into each single person literally were just told to, like, drop your guns and walk away. What the actual fuck? This is the stuff we're facing again, right? It's not just the betrayal. It's, it's, it's how it was done. Not a shot was fired in self-defense. It was a complete uh, dog's breakfast. It was an the, Aussie peelback. It was like Barbarossa, like just fucking crazy. That uh, giant plane, uh, the American version of the Antonov. C-17. Um, packed full of people, mm-hmm. you know, just uh, st- um, standing you know, uh, with uh, three, four times 
its normal capacity, just packed with people trying to get out of there. Well, that's not planning. That's that's an emergency measure. Mm-hmm. Why the fuck was it? There never should have been an emergency. Mm-hmm. You know, that was an emergency evacuation. Uh, and they took emergency measures. That is because that is just a complete absence of leadership. Mm-hmm. And it is, it's a crime against humanity is what it is. You know, because I was in Afghanistan, I'm, I firmly believe right now that it wasn't an intelligence failure, Mark. This, this not, it's not that they didn't know. So it's not an intelligence failure. It was a, a planning failure. It's though. a leadership, not fucking listening failure. Well, Biden was asked um, uh, before it happened, right? Yes. And uh, it's like, well, isn't Kabul going to, like, isn't Afghanistan going to collapse? And he's like, no, 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 it won't collapse. Then he gave his BS reason. But everybody that was actually there is like, uh, of course it's going to collapse. Like yeah. the, the second we're gone, the, the Taliban, and, and that's it. They're back under the boot. And, um, of course, it, it took seconds. Yeah. <laughs> you know, not months or years. Mm-hmm. It, it collapsed instantaneously. It, it did, you know, and um, watching independent news sources and stuff because you just, you can't trust the big the big stuff that's paid for, but the, uh, the independent stuff there was, they were saying, you know, like, first of all, Biden, can, he can't remember how many fucking toes he has on each foot. Uh, in the first place, uh, and the thing is, 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 is even his own people within the Democratic Party are, are like this is a complete failure. So what it is, is again, it's it's willful denial of of what it's going to happen, and I guarantee you, again, the the int sources, the, you know, the, the human guys, the just the regular intelligence stuff, the different levels of intelligence, we're all like sending this shit back and I guarantee you it's going to happen in the news because it always does. It comes out and the, and it's just Biden was keeping his word and that's all it comes down to. He said he was going to pull out. He pulled out. It doesn't matter how bad of a human tragedy this is or how much of a mess or whatever it is, it is. And that's simply what it comes down to. It truly does. It's the military did his shit. We did our stuff. I, I'm, I'm really proud of what we did. I, I've got no regrets. If I had to do it again, Mark, I would fucking do it again. I would do it again. And, and you know, I was doing, I was doing a short day of work was 12 hours. A long day of work was 18 hours. Sometimes I would nearly sleep at my desk. If I went back again, I would work harder to make more of an impact. That's how dedicated and how true I am to my belief that we did the right thing. It was not a waste this whole situation is a failure of leadership. And there's no matter how you break it down or a subset of rules you want to use or reinterpretations, it's going to come back to the same fucking thing. And an absence of humanity, just an absence of decency. Yes. An absence of morals. Yeah. Um, and the words I just used don't even come close to describing how bad it really is. That's right. Um, completely and totally wrong and unacceptable and shameful. But that shame is not on you. Mm-hmm. It is not on anybody that served in Afghanistan. That shame is on our gov- on our government. 
Mm-hmm. And that is a level of shame that, I mean, the blood of children is on their hands. And that is not hyperbole. That is a fucking fact. It is a fact, Mark. It is a fact. The The atrocities that are going to happen that are happening are not going to be ever hit the record books. No one's going to talk about it because it'll be suppressed. The, the, the people that served there know firsthand the level of atrocities that can happen. The people that served in Bosnia and seen stuff there. This is going to be worse than Bosnia. This will be worse. Every, no everybody way. that helped us, uh, they're going to have their heads cut off. Um, children, children are already being sold as sex slaves, both boys and girls. Mm-hmm. And um, I mean, that was happening while you guys were there anyway. It was just normal, you know, uh, uh, 10-year-old boys as sex toys. It's beyond comprehension, mm-hmm. but that happened and and was common. And the Taliban leaders—that's what they do. That's how they fucking roll. And, you know, I don't think I don't think we're bringing this up in order to cause more problems for the people that are stressed over this. That's not why we're talking about this. I think that it needs to be clarified. I think, Mark, that that the only reason why I'm bringing it up is for those that don't know or for those that aren't in denial. I'm telling you to shake your fucking heads to to like. No, no, we, we, you and I, when we're talking about this stuff here, that's things, these things that will happen or are happening, they're not probability. This is the reality of of the world we live in. It's the and ugly this is the truth. reason why we went to stop this stuff. Yeah, we would. Yeah, we we did we did this to stop this shit from happening, and now we are powerless to prevent it from happening. And that's why I'm bringing it up. I, I'm not here to saying these things to for that guy that's nearly on the edge to, to snap. That's not what it's about. It's like, to, I'm just trying to bring it back in. I'm trying to reel it in because, because this is an emergency podcast and it, it's hopefully is providing some information to those that don't get it or don't understand why we are so lit right now. Why we're some of us are so, are so just stressed. And I mean, just sitting here right now, I mean, I don't know if your camera's picking up, man, but I, I've, I've blown through two t-shirts already, you yeah. know? Well, it, it would be like being in the middle of World War II, looking across the field at a Nazi death camp, knowing what's happening there, and being told to stand down, walk away. Mm-hmm. That's what's happening right now. Yeah, yeah, that's a very good metaphor. And um, most people, they just can't grasp that. They just can't grasp it where there's the power to help, but you're not allowed. And, of course, that was the running theme throughout the Balkans, right? Uh, the straight-up genocide that was happening mm-hmm. that the government decided to call ethnic cleansing. They made up a fucking bullshit word for it, a, euphem- a euph- right. euphemism word for it. Just so it didn't sound so dirty, you know? Yeah. We're just going to call it this. Yeah, they're just taking a bath. Yeah, they're just taking Death a bath. camps, they're just taking a shower. <laughs> yeah. You know, um, And it keeps happening and happening and happening. But for the people that are struggling with this, just talking about it helps. Not bottling it up helps. Mm -hmm. And pointing out that, uh, that 
a bird shit on your shoulder doesn't make you know doesn't make make it worse it's now you got something that you can wipe off it's like hey the bird just took a dump on your shoulder man you know maybe go launder that shirt like ignoring it doesn't help pretending it's not happening doesn't help facing this shit and and whether it's a rant or event that's all good right now Mm -hmm. anger is completely appropriate right now and that anger has to come out for more people speaking out about how wrong this is and not holding back Mm -hmm. on what that place actually is and what is going to happen to our friends that helped us, you know, um, people that sacrificed everything to help our troops, to help our cause. Mm -hmm. And we've just fucked them over, abandoned them, and we, we've uh, we've walked away from the death camp and said, have at her. Yeah, essentially. And again, it's um, all I can do is, is lay in my bed late at night thinking about this or sit at the kitchen table trying to do my homework and, and just sit there and go like, what can I do? Yeah, and what? that's... And, and what's that, within my power? What's within my scope? How 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 can I come to some sort of resolution, internal resolution, with this? And while it's still unfolding, for God's sakes, it's still unfolding. It, it takes. I'm sure you can. I'm sure you can see the tired in my face right now. I'm. I'm. I didn't get no sleep. I'm tired. Just remember where the blame lies. And I mean, I. I know I'm flogging a horse here, but. Yeah. Um, the blame does not lie on us. Remember who you voted for. Keep this issue in mind when you vote next time because it's the people that are in government that made these decisions that have the blood on their hands. Yeah. That's that's who has the blood on their hands. It's an embarrassment. It's a it's a, it's it's a, a national. Oh, it's a it's a public embarrassment. I'm not just not just national, but international proportions. Because Friday, there is a proclamation. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. This great big proclamation on public news, and then Sunday, an election's called. The offices are called are closed. No one is getting in. Because of the election, Our and there's no God way the damn, government, there's uh, no fucking way the government didn't know on fucking Friday before they put that proclamation out and made a world promise on the world stage to help. Our and our minister of Sunday. was it the defense minister? Yeah, uh, minister of defense Harjeet Singh or mm-hmm. what the hell's his name? And uh, you have three days to apply for refugee status. Three mm-hmm. days. Fuck you, you piece of shit. Mm-hmm. Three days? That is a door that needs to stay open indefinitely. Yeah. You know, because who, who's to say that they can get from one side of town to the other side of town with Taliban all over the goddamn place? Yeah. Uh, probably blocking the place that you have to go to yeah. to, to, to get registered. We're talking about a place, that not everybody's walking around with Wi-Fi. You know, um, like 
if if there's a way to get out of there, the yeah. Taliban are going to be guarding that and shutting it down. It. Yeah. Three days. What a fuck yeah. you that is. You know, that's the other, sorry, uh, sorry, my, 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 I'm, I'm sorry if I'm sketching all over the place, but my, that's the other thing too, is like, the part there that really blows me away too is like, the Taliban are not a fucking army. They are not a well-organized army. The fucking Taliban are a bunch of fucking farmers and gorillas that are organized and following orders. And if they don't follow, someone else dies in their family kind of thing. They're just ragtag fucking, they're not even mooch man. They're just fucking people, right? And, and here we are, first world nation forces. It, it, that snap you just heard was my mind trying to freaking link the two together. You know, why do we get our asses kicked so fucking bad from the fucking Taliban? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I, I need a sip of coffee, Mark. <laughs> yeah, good thing I put an extra shot of espresso yeah, in there you for did, you, I think caffeine. <laughs> well, what more can we share about how to frame this in a healthy way? I mean, our concern and the reason we're doing this today is just to encourage those that are beating themselves up, that are feeling just like shit over all this because yeah. they're, ta- they're taking it on their own shoulders. Um, it's not your load to bear. I mean, grieve, yeah. get angry, yeah. stomp your feet. Yeah. But it is not our load to bear. You know, yeah. um, Mark, I think that's the message. I really do. I think that's the message is like, it, it's like, you know what? These are all normal. The, the, everything you just said, those yeah. are normal feelings. Uh, I get angry. I mean, I'm going to be going for a run after this. I have to work it off. You know, even, even though I need to go to bed, I'm also needing to work off the energy so I can go to sleep. I'm going for a ride. I'm going to be joining the rolling barrage. Yeah. <laughs> hook up here. with them in Bragg Creek here. So, uh, so I think that the message here to our brothers and sisters, honestly, is, the feelings are normal. The feeling of hate, anger, uh, despair, guilt, shame, uh, bet- betrayal. If I didn't say it already again, betrayal, betrayal, betrayal again. Oh. These uh, these are all normal things, but don't let it destroy you. Don't let it eat you up. Don't let it roll you back. You got to move forward. It's we are the legacy is what I firmly believe. I think that we are the legacy of the freedom of Afghanistan that they did have for that time. I'm proud of what I did. I'm proud of my brothers and sisters. I'm proud of the, even the fucking brothers and sisters I didn't serve with over there. I'm proud of everything that we fucking accomplished while we were there to provide that breathing space for humanity to take hold. Even though it didn't last very long, it hey, happened. It's 20 years of, yeah. of respite. And that's mm-hmm. 20 years of these people getting a taste of what it's like to make your own decisions, a taste of being able to learn to read. In 20 years, I'm going to bet a hell of a lot of people learn to read. Like mm-hmm. People don't realize most of those folks are illiterate on yeah. purpose yeah. Uh, or have never read. Uh, if they do read, the only thing they've ever read is the Koran because mm-hmm. um, that's all they're allowed to, you know, and... Over 20 years, there's a whole generation there of people that are read, that mm-hmm. do know better. And hopefully that's enough. And I'm going to predict that it is enough that between all the trip, the troops that Allied Forces trained, uh, that they 
are going to continue in a civil war to uh, to fight and and end the Taliban and uh, totalitarian rule. Yeah, you know, uh, I wish we were there to help them, but uh, I think that that's what's going to be happening here—a continuation of civil war for their freedoms, and because um, they they've got a taste of it now. Yeah, I think I think Afghanistan's history is already pre-written. I think it's preordained. It's a <clears throat> it's a battleground for for other nations that don't want to have a war and they're on their own turf. It's they just go to Afghanistan and have it there. I, I really that's, I mean, it all the way back from Alexander the Great until now, it's been regime rules in the the local people flop over support the new regime. Twenty years later. New regime rolls in. The people, local people, flop on over. Support the new regime, the new government, the new whatevers. It's to me, it's, it's something that they're used to. It's sad. It's, but it's. I think we we we, if we had any expectations of it ever lasting, it was a false expectation. To be quite honest, because Afghanistan is what Afghanistan is. Yeah. I'm going to close out, John, with um, just encouraging everybody to not isolate themselves, to mm-hmm. reach out, talk to your buddies, um, talk to other Afghanistan veterans, people that get it, and uh, just spend time with each other. Cry together, be angry together, get drunk together, whatever you got to do. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm saying that as a guy that doesn't drink anymore. But uh, do what you got to do, but be connected. Don't isolate because mm-hmm. isolation, that's not a good place to do. Keep busy right now um, with something. Like don't let yourself hole up and um, and turn into a hermit right now. That is not good. Yeah. Even though you very well may be, uh, every bone in your body wants you to isolate and, and pull away right now. That is a bad idea. Do not take ownership for this. No. No. No, this isn't on our shoulders at all. So spend time, not just online, (laughs) but in person. Um, Reach out to your buddies, and uh, when they ask you to to go out and do this or do that, do it. Get out, Mm -hmm. and I'll be doing the same. I'll be joining a, uh, right after this, joining the Rolling Barrage, a whole bunch of veterans on motorcycles. But, uh, John, thanks for making the time for for being here today my pleasure mark i think we're about there though i think so all right you're listening to operation tango romeo the trauma recovery podcast hey everybody thanks for tuning in now i've got a favor to ask you And I know everybody asks for the same favor, but it's really, really important. If you can help, do your little bit by going to Apple Podcasts, leaving a rating and a comment. That would be awesome. Also, on your favorite podcast platform, whether that be Spotify, Anchor, Google Podcasts, or whatever floats your boat and blows your hair back, please click follow and if there's an option there for rating please do so and this is why every time you click like leave a rating leave a comment what happens is that it makes it easier for other people to find this podcast the help that you can't find doesn't help at all so help other people find this so that they can help themselves 
Thank you, thank you, thank you. And as always, share, share like the sugar bear because sharing is caring.